Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. In just a minute, we'll hear from beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. We will talk about that Ohio State game and much more. First, let's get started with my view from Section 17. We've had a few days to soak in what happened in Columbus, and I don't even know where to begin in analyzing what took place. I know this, it's going to be another winter of introspection for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. We made improvements this year as a program. There is no denying that. But against Ohio State, it became apparent we have to be better if we want to knock down the door and become an elite program again. How do we do that? What changes need to be made? I have no answer at this point. But rest assured, Jim Harbaugh knows changes are necessary, most notably with offensive philosophy. It will be another long offseason and still much work to be done. My guest today tells it like it is. He says the Ohio State game was a disaster, but the season was not. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. with us on our game day segment this week as we do sort of a uh, Monday morning autopsy on what happened over the weekend down in Columbus. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. How you doing, Nick? Good, Mike. How are you? I am doing okay. It's uh, been 48 hours now since uh, I saw what we all saw uh, down in Columbus, so I don't know that it's wearing off, but it'll get better. 
So much to talk about in that game, Nick. So much to process. Let's start with the defense, which was shredded on Saturday. And to me, Nick, that is still the most shocking aspect of Saturday's game. I just did not see that coming. Did you? No, no. Um, you know, I think the biggest shock of all, uh, and there were several, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest shock of all to me was with the defensive lines complete and total. I mean, they just they didn't do anything. I mean, uh, all year long, really for the last two years, last three years, you know, the defensive line has been so good. Uh, against every team they've played, uh, no matter what, no matter the situation, they've always been good. They've always been tough to move. They've always been, uh, you know, able to, to to pressure the pocket and get after people. And Ohio State did not have um, what I would consider an elite offensive line. Um, I think they did a nice job of of avoiding sacks this season. But you know, teams have gotten pressure on on Haskins. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have, and they just didn't. And, you know, a, a, lot is, a lot was made about the secondary's inability to, to cover, you know, with, uh, you know, crossing routes and things of that nature. And that's totally true. But, you know, a lot of that stuff, some of that stuff at least gets uh, limited a little bit if you're able to rush a passer and they just weren't. And that, to me, was the biggest, the biggest surprise. Oh, that was shocking to me. As you said, they have protected Haskins pretty well all year, very well, as a matter of fact. But the one thing I noticed on Saturday, after seeing Ohio State several times this year, their game plan for Saturday. They were getting the ball out of his hands very fast, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, that was the goal. I mean, that was the goal. That was not a, uh, not a shock. That shouldn't have been a shock to Michigan. And that's the other part of it that's um, a little startling is that, uh, you know, everyone everyone knew that if you've watched Ohio State that they were going to run, they were going to spread the field and run crossing routes every time Michigan lined up in man-to-man. And they were going to say, we dare you to cover our people one-on-one we don't think you can, and that to me is uh, that to me is Michigan overestimating how fast it is. Bottom line, I mean that's uh, you know if they, if they truly thought um, that they could go into that game and have somebody in the slot or even one of their corners run uh, straight off with like Paris Campbell uh, without help, you know then you're you're setting yourself up for failure, and that's exactly what happened. I mean they're so fast. And they have been fast all year, and that's the strongest point of their team. The best part of their team is that passing game, is Haskins and those receivers. And the one thing that you couldn't allow it to happen is them to completely terrorize you and beat and, and beat you, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, that was the main thing. There were several others, but that was the main problem, and they just couldn't stop it. So another, I think, shocking thing to fans is that there were a lack of adjustments, which uh, from Coach Don Brown, I, I'm not sure. Maybe he tried whatever he could it just didn't work but it didn't seem like we adjusted very quickly did it they did um you know on like the second and third series of the game they came mm-hmm. out and and played some zone and um right away and uh, ohio state did uh, have a little hiccup there if you if you recall it was uh, a couple drives there were three and outs um with negative yards and but uh <laughs> they just eventually went right back to doing what they've uh, been do- doing all year they blew it they and then and then i guess the other part too that, that creeps in is so now they now they've adjusted, uh, you know, at, and then they go back and they and they give up a couple other, uh, you know, shots that are just really easy across the middle. And then there was one later in a half where now they're trying to play some zone and they blow a coverage and it goes back to what I think Don Brown has talked about in the past is if you uh, you know if you teach one thing all year and all of a sudden you try to do another one then you're going to run your risk of of uh, blowing spots in big moments which is exactly what happened so. They were not, you know, they were not prepared 
in the way that Ohio State was. I mean, they, they were just outcoached. They were outcoached, outschemed, outflanked, and out everything. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you know, Ryan Day and Urban Meyer uh, completely owned completely owned that game uh, in that matchup, and to a level that uh, you know, I, I I think we all knew they would get some, they would get some points and move the ball. They've been so good offensively this season. But you thought you would have thought Michigan would have had something, you know, and they just didn't. Well, and that's what makes me wonder. Don Brown was able to make adjustments this year. Didn't have to make a lot of them during the course of the season, but when he did, they worked. I can't think of one thing, though, Nick, he could have done to stop Ohio State on Saturday, and that's really depressing. Find faster players. I think that's, that's, the, <laughs> yeah. that's the ultimate, and that's really hard to do um, in that sense because what you're, what you're doing there is you're saying – you know, Levert Hill is an NFL corner. Um, David Long is an NFL corner. I'm not. I'm not sure that Brandon Watson's at that level, um, but Brandon Watson's been a good player mm-hmm. for them all season, and they just couldn't do it. And 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 that's that's that happens when you run into a team that has talent like that. And there's only probably three teams in America uh, that have talent like that. And uh, one is Alabama, the other is Clemson. Uh, and then you got Ohio State, and I don't know if there's another team in the country that can argue. That, I guess Oklahoma maybe, but I don't even know if Oklahoma has offensively uh, has speed like Ohio State has. Um, and that's the challenge, and that's the and that's the microcosm for this whole thing because Michigan has made progress this year. Um, they improved in a lot of areas. Uh, a lot's gotten better compared to where it was last year. It's ridiculous to say otherwise or to call this a failure. But the problem is is their task, their greatest challenge, is kicking the door down against, you know, and while Urban Meyer is not a Hall of Fame human, he is one of the best football coaches in the college football, in the sport of college football ever. He is 81-9, and I think it was, last time I checked. This is one of the greatest coaches of all time, and that is the challenge, and that is why it it looks so hard, because it is so hard. He is really, 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 really good. Uh, and they take that game as serious as anything on their schedule. I heard a lot of people ask me, why doesn't know why why can Purdue play the way that they can against Ohio State? Why does Iowa do what it did to them last year? Why did Maryland get yards and everything against them? And I, my answer is, you know, credit to those teams. But my answer is, is Ohio State doesn't care about Purdue, Maryland, uh, Iowa, other teams the way that they do about Michigan, and that's your biggest test and that's why it's I mean in a lot of ways it's the biggest challenge that anyone has anywhere because you got to get through these guys and they care about you more than they care about anybody else and that is very very difficult I guess Auburn could probably sympathize right but I mean, mm-hmm. that's about it in the, in the country that was a different Ohio State team than, than what I've seen from earlier in the year no question it was the big game it was the big stage it was Michigan and you're right and that makes me wonder 14 out of 15 years now Michigan has lost. Some of them have been blowouts. A lot of them have been very tight games. Is it a mental barrier now for the program? Oh, yeah, it has to be. I mean, it has to be because that's the other thing that was surprising in a lot of ways. Um, Because this season they've done a nice job. I thought a really nice job of, uh, of having that, you know, that mental toughness fortitude, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they showed it at Michigan State. Um, they didn't get into – anytime they got into a tough spot after the Notre Dame game, they had resolve, and they, they found a way through it, you know, in-game. Uh, this, though, was, to me, uh, you know, they, they, they clammed up before the game started. I mean, they, they came into the thing, and it just looked like they got off the bus and, st- you know, just froze because 
The offensive game plan, I know people have said, well, the offense scored 39 points. Why are you critical of the offense? The offensive game plan wasn't good compared to what it's been uh, this season. I mean, they went back. They were, that looked like Michigan against Notre Dame. They reverted back to some of the same simple conservative stuff of plotting down the field, not, you know, not being creative, not, you know, they've shown so many different wrinkles and they've had so many different things that they could have used. And, you know, he said they were all in there. I don't know where they were because, you know, game plans we've seen against them against Ohio State in years past were five times as good as this. And mm-hmm. this just wasn't very good. It was very conservative, uh, very vanilla. Uh, they, they wanted, they thought they could, they obviously thought they could hammer them up front on the, uh, on the line of scrimmage. Ohio State was selling out against the run. And they never challenged them. And the one thing that is true today, as it was true on Saturday and will be true all year, is Ohio State's defense isn't any good. They are not good defensively. They're, if you challenge them and put them into tough spots, especially with the receivers that they have, they would have found points. I mean, they would have found yards and they would have found points early. And in a game like that, with, a, with an offense as good as they have, you have to go get points. You can't, you can't go into drives thinking, well, if we gain 30 yards and punt, it's a success because we flip the field. They, Ohio State can flip the field in five seconds. That's not a thing. You have to go score, and you have to score touchdowns, and they weren't prepared to do that. And, you know, it was a little bit of like bringing a knife to a gunfight because it was that, was, that to me was the biggest problem. They turtled, and then it really snowballed on them. And, you know, if it weren't for that fumbled kickoff, um, this thing would have gotten even more out of control uh, early because, you know, you could just sense. I mean, I mean, you tell me, I mean, they went into halftime and it was mm-hmm. a five-point game. I mean, I don't think anybody thought, okay, you know, maybe you thought, okay, well, they're back in it a little bit. But I think most people thought, okay, this should be a lot worse. And uh, we'll see if they can adjust, and they never did. We saw Don Brown and the defense try to adjust somewhat using a zone. But on the offensive side, yep. it just didn't seem to me that there was any change in game plan or philosophy in the second half. I guess we uh, went turtle. If you, I, yep. It's hard to imagine uh, a staff doing that. There were just no new wrinkles. It was just, as you said, very vanilla. It was an interesting year for Michigan offensively because I think they did go through a lot of change and they did go through a lot of growth. Um, you know, compared to what they were or where they were at a year ago, but it's it's just not enough because I mean they can't. You know, they, they were able to do a lot more this year in terms of diversity with scheme and everything else. Um, you know, they had a mobile quarterback who was mobile enough and accurate enough. Uh, they had good receivers. They had a line who was quick enough. Uh, and, and you know, can all all that can improve, of course, but they still don't play fast enough. Um, there's not enough speed, and you know, they don't have the ability to go get points and you know, in, in a quick manner. And then I know a lot of emphasis gets placed on defense here, and that's fine. And that's the calling card, and, and maybe it always will be. And that's just maybe that's how they'll always play. But your offense still has to be able to um, play both ways, mm-hmm. I guess, because sometimes the defense. It, somebody's going to get them, you know. It's, it's not going to go the way that you, it, the way that you've scripted up. You're not going to suffocate everybody. Um, you can suffocate a lot of teams, and it's going to look great, and it's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people. But there's going to be games where somebody's going to get you, and it's not. It, it's just is what it is. And you can't just wave the white flag and say, "Well, I guess that's it for us," because we cannot score at that pace. We we can't do it, you know. And that's that's what like you know, Navy and Army does, you know, I mean, that, <laughs> when they're like, we're just not going to be able to do that today. And that's not, you know, Michigan shouldn't be in that situation. I think the offense still needs to evolve uh, a lot more. I think that process started this year. Um, I really do. I, I, I gave Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit during the year, and I won't, I won't take any of that back. I think they did a really nice job of listening to Ed Warner, of 
of developing some things that were new and fresh and a little more modern. Uh, there's just not enough in there, and there needs to be more. And, you know, he's going to have to go look at that again and really ask himself the question of, you know, ultimately, do I need another fresh voice in here? And I think you do um, to give you more perspective. And, I mean, maybe the ultimate ultimate question down the road will be uh, for him is, do I need to give up some of this control and l- truly let one person just set the scheme? I mean, or, or at least let one person set it with him instead of let three people or whatever, all these different, you know, find a find somebody who can come in here and give you a fresh perspective and, and, and change the way you do things and help you. And um, if you do that, I suppose you're on the right path. But a lot of it is athletes, too, and you got to have better athletes. But you also you have some. You just have to, you have to be willing to use them. I know you and I have talked about this. Michigan fans have talked about this on and on about not having an offensive coordinator. Joel Klatt brought it up uh, on the telecast against Saturday because he thought plays were coming in very late, burned a couple of timeouts because we couldn't get the play in in time. And, and he was mentioning, too, that is – no one knows exactly how that funnel works uh, in play calling for Michigan, but he said that is the one thing in the offseason he thinks uh, they have to look at. Okay, it's okay if you don't have an offensive coordinator, but clearly, and Joel said this, and I, I'm with him on this, this happened a lot this year. It just seemed like a long time to make decisions and getting plays. Yeah, uh, that's happened really for Jim Harbaugh since long before he was even in San Francisco. I mean, that was a thing you could I could remember going back and hearing 49ers fans say, I really wish they'd kept Jim Harbaugh, but this is the one thing that really bothered me, right? It was the it was the you know, the delay of games, the constant, what are you doing offensively? You know, why is it taking so long? So that's been a thing for a long time. A lot of it's, uh, some of it is deliberate, as they still are very much uh, subscribers to the theory of you know time of possession and letting your defense uh, dominate someone and shortening the game. And you know, this season that worked ten straight times. Uh, it almost wor- it would have worked maybe uh, 11 times if they hadn't started as slow as they did against Notre Dame. Uh, but it's not going to work against Ohio State. And I think that's the ultimate uh, ultimate answer uh, and the ultimate thing for Harbaugh to look at is that I think that there was a little bit of fool's gold, frankly, in the way they played Ohio State last year because you know last year's team was not good at all. And they gave them a game because Ohio State wasn't ready to play. They had a, They weren't. You know, they, I think they were heavy favorites. They weren't ready, and then eventually Ohio State out talented and won the game. But I think that they thought they could still run what they usually run in this game, and it would be fine. And that just wasn't the case. I mean, you know, if Ohio State's really good and they're locked in, and, and Michigan's really good, they're going to be ready to go more than more than ever. And the ultimate lesson is is that you know that stuff, the ball control, the letting your defense dominate people. That will work against probably 97% of the country. It won't work against that team because they are in the top 3%. I mean, in terms of talent and what they've, what they've recruited. And I know people hate to hear that. I say that all the time, and fans get so mad. Like, well, the talent gap's not that wide. And I'm like, yeah, yes, it is. If you go back and you look at the last, like, three years, four years, five years, they have recruited at a ridiculous level. Alabama and Clemson are their only equals. And Michigan has recruited well, too. But there's a difference between really good recruiting and ridiculous recruiting. And that's what Ohio State's had. And they've had it in large part because they keep winning and uh, that's the that's why it's so difficult to solve this riddle because um, you're just going to have to go do it one day and uh, and hope that's enough. Well, Jim became the first Michigan coach to start off 0-4 against Ohio State. We know he's not going anywhere, but you wonder though, Nick, how long can it go on? Well, like this, uh, you know, at some point you'd just be spinning your wheels. I mean, I, you know, that's that's the ultimate question. And you look into next year now, and you say, 
you know, if you're, if it's another one of these, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just because that's the, that's the true question of, and that's why I think they'll have a lot of hard decisions, or he'll have a lot of ones, hard decisions to make again this year, just like they did last year, um, in a lot of areas, because this is the whole thing. I mean, they've, they've, they've steadied so much here. They've improved a lot. The program is on much firmer ground than it was when he took over the job, of course. Uh, it's as, as steady as it's been since probably the, you know, before the tail end of Lloyd Carr, I, I guess you'd say, um, you know, in the, in maybe even the early 2000s. I mean, if this was a, if this was an early 2000s team, they would have celebrated a Big Ten championship because the shares counted back then, and the Rose Bowl was a thing back then. People cared about that back then. But this is a different era, and you're facing an Ohio State program and an Urban Meyer program program that is better than a Jim Trestle program ever was, that is better than a John Cooper program ever was, that is better than anything Earl Bruce did, that is literally up there with some of the stuff, comparably speaking, to what Woody Hayes had back in the day. They're that good. And that is the ultimate test here. Part of me, I wrote this the other day, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny or something when I say it, but part of their vote would be for him to retire, for, our, or for uh, Meyer to leave, because he's that good. But that's the ultimate test. If he stays and he keeps doing this in, in Harbaugh, and if you can't get him, then you're spinning your wheels, and then you question yourself, as, what are we doing here? And it's either you reset your expectations for yourself, or you continue to try to change, but you're, you're you know, a, a more of the same on – many levels can't happen if this continues to go i don't know what all that means or looks like because they're in a tough spot because i don't know that they would find a better there is no other you know i say that to people all the time well who who, who would you think would come in here and, and build a better program than urban meyer right now and is jim harbaugh has he done a bad job no he's got 38 wins in four years so just the, that last one is the toughest and mm-hmm. it's the biggest challenge they have i think at times they've underestimated that I really do. I think that there was times early, maybe a little bit, when they thought we can get this guy. This isn't. They're not that good, but they are that good. And uh, you know, they've they've gone through their their problems, and they have off the field issues that have nothing to do with football that have been terrible and abhorrent. But when they go out there to play, they're still very very good. And if Ohio State's going to allow that with their program, then they're going to allow that with their program. You got to deal with it, and that's the situation they're in. Well, I guess we have to give the Buckeyes their due, and off to Indy they go this weekend. Do you think Northwestern has any chance against them? You know, I I thought about that earlier. Probably not. Um, (laughs) Probably not. I I, but you know, I think that I think they can score some points because Ohio State's defense isn't good. That's the other thing we talked about earlier, Mike. The Michigan's yeah. defensive line not not showing up in that game. Michigan not being able to run the ball. Michigan not being able to throw the ball. That to me was the other. I mean, they got they got 400 yards, and a lot of that was late. But but I I, I bet you Northwestern could score a couple points. But I there's no way they can keep up with Ohio State's offense. No chance. I think Ohio State will win that in the route, which should send them to the playoff. But I guess we'll see. So you're thinking if they win, they being Ohio State beat Northwestern, mm-hmm. they're in. They're a lock. I think if they went in convincing fashion, <clears throat> then they would be, they'd be fine. Um, I don't know if it'd be a lock, but I think it'd be. I guess we'll see what they said Tuesday. But I think that Ohio State will jump Oklahoma. I, I, I just that was a they value the committee valued Michigan so high this year uh, to to put them as a legit football team, and I think people have lost perspective on that a little bit because they got beat so badly. But the thing to remember is that Michigan's only going to fall to like eight. They're not going to fall that far. And Ohio State will have had a thrashing win over uh, mm-hmm. a top-ten team, and that's better than anything Oklahoma's done. 
uh, you know, their only their best chance at a win was last Friday against uh, West Virginia, and that thing went shootout all the way to the end, and they barely won, and they've barely won a few times. So uh, they've had some of the similar issues that Ohio State's had, and that barely winning games. And I, I just I think Ohio State will be a little better there. Uh, and if that is the case, um, then I think Michigan will get the Rose Bowl. If it's not the case, if Ohio State gets bumped, then I think they'd be in the Peach or the Fiesta. But I don't see a situation where they're out of uh, the New Year's Six. They'll have one of those, you know, we used to call them BCS games. They'll have one of those games. Uh, it seems like they're at the end of the month or early January. Well, final thought then, Nick. Uh, when the season started, most of us thought this would be a two- or a three-loss team. That's before we kicked off. Yep. But of course, uh, expectations change as the season rolls along. And then Saturday happened. So, you know, for a lot of the fan base, we know very hard to find positives on Monday morning after what we saw on Saturday. But you mentioned in an article uh, this morning in the Detroit Free Press that big picture, it was a good season. Um, Bigger picture, there's a lot that needs to be done. So positives to you again, Nick, that you take from this season? Yeah, they made progress. I think that's the biggest thing because really this could have gone, this could have been a disaster all year. Mm-hmm. And there were moments in the summer where I wondered if this is what we were going to see. If we were going to see them going out there and losing to Michigan State, you know, losing to Wisconsin, losing to Penn State. I mean, it was very possible if they'd have continued to do the same thing they were doing last year, very possible they could have lost four or five if they would have kept that approach. They didn't. They changed. You know, they improved. Uh, they, the offensive line is in a better place than it has been maybe in 10 years, frankly, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, they've got a little bit of depth now. You got some guys who know they can do it. They had a bad game the other day, but you know, even then that wasn't a, a disaster like we've seen in some other games. They weren't just totally undressed, right? So mm-hmm. that's in a much better place. I think the quarterback position, no matter what Patterson does, uh, is in a better place with Dylan McCaffrey. Um, you know, Joe Milton's gotten some experience here. We'll see about him. So I think that's in a better situation. The receivers have grown up. They've improved a lot. Peoples Jones and Nico Collins, you know, could be all Big Ten players next year. Uh, the whole offense in general is better. It truly is. I mean, people wanted to <laughs> wanted to hate on it on Saturday, but it's better. <laughs> Last year's offense would have scored six points against that team. I mean, that just wouldn't have happened. Uh, so that's improved a ton. You're going to lose a lot on defense. Uh, you're going to lose guys uh, to the NFL. It's just going to happen. You're going to lose juniors. It's part of life. Um, but they've replaced guys before. Uh, Don Brown's made adjustments before. It's happened. Um, you know, he's had way too much uh, on the good side here to – totally just throw him away on one and it was a horrible game but it's ridiculous to just ignore everything else he's done uh over that one over that one deal so the program to me is on much better ground uh right now than it was a year ago it's indisputable i mean a year ago they were looking at going into a meaningless outback bowl game after losing to everyone important on their schedule they didn't have one decent win or one win anyone was excited about no one knew what was going to happen at quarterback the offensive line was a mess uh, and a lot of that got fixed. So there's a lot more to go. You know, they, you know, Harbaugh said the first year he thought they, when they got here, that they uh, stopped bad. You know, they stopped the train that was running the wrong way and, and maybe started to push it in the right direction again. Well, I think that happened again because they self-created a train that was going in the wrong direction and they were able to stop it and push it back the right way. Now the big question is whether or not they can push it all the way and uh, and get through Ohio State, and that's the ultimate test that's why he was brought here you know because these these kind of throat grabs in the biggest moment of the season that's been happening for a long time long before Harbaugh was here that's 15 years and that is a that is a systemic problem that they have to solve it's not easy it's one of the hardest things to do in football 
uh, especially when you're kind of when the stakes are this high. And um, but that's why they pay him, and that's his job, and um, that's why a lot of people have that. If he can't do it, then what? Right. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens and um, see where they go. With us on our uh, show today, as we have been taking a final look back at the Ohio State game, where the program is has been beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. It's been great having you with us all season, Nick, uh, giving us that perspective that uh, you know a lot of the fans have a hard time uh, understanding. Yeah. But hopefully as we get closer to the bowl game and we find out what that is, we'll get you back on and, and see what's going to happen with this team. All right, Mike, sounds good. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today. By now, you've heard Rashawn Gary is leaving for the NFL. Whether he'll play in the bowl game, we don't know. In the coming days or weeks, there will probably be other players joining him in foregoing their senior year and maybe even sitting out the bowl game, which seems to be the trend if you are not in the playoffs these days, so we shall see. This Sunday, we'll find out which bowl game we're headed to. Next week, my scheduled guest is Cody Stavenhagen from the Athletic Detroit. We'll talk about that bowl game and find out what he thought of his first year on the Michigan beat. With the regular season now over, the show will be weekly again. That is until bowl week. We'll have our usual two shows that week. In the meantime, we'll start catching up on what's happening with John Beeline and the boys. It's a big week for Michigan hoops. North Carolina on Wednesday and then the beginning of the Big Ten season with Purdue on Saturday. And we'll also get back to our monthly recruiting updates with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. So as I say each year, we don't go away after football season. We'll be right here every week with the latest news on the Michigan athletic scene, and I hope you'll keep coming back. I know our daubers are down. Life doesn't always go the way we want it to. It sure hasn't the last 14 or 15 years, and that Ohio State loss will linger until next September, no doubt about it. In the meantime, Jim Harbaugh and his staff have recruiting to deal with, getting ready for a bowl game, and then retooling his team. He's a fighter, and I do believe he does not accept what happened on Saturday in Columbus. So let's see what changes he makes after the bowl game. It will be an interesting winter, that is for sure. That will do it for another show. Thanks for joining me, and make sure you come back next week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.